one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplot of Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a random of the week complete. The bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. I really quite enjoyed this one. Me too, me too. Um, I'm grinning already from here. We talked before about the Sidgwick lean, where he's like found the sweet spot <laughs> between the wall and his microphone. It's when every now and then if his voice sounds at a distance, unlike when his emotions sound at a distance, like when we're covering a roar like this. <laughs> but the distance was just slightly, like, not quite perfectly negotiated there, and your arms went like somebody trying to counter a sunset flip, you know, <laughs> and they just go like, well, <laughs> and then they go down. I, yeah, this was, um, this was the WWE mostly I tune in for nowadays. I felt like most characters... Uh, this is the closest you'll ever get to a, a reset Raw mm. in the way we get the reset Dynamites, which again suggests that they're just telling stories. They've got things on the whiteboard. They've got plans in place for most of the characters. Uh, I, I don't know if there is a perfect WWE anymore. I don't think you get a perfect three-hour Raw. Especially There's a perfect WWE. It happens on Tuesday nights. Yeah. yeah. Well, other than that, other than that, <laughs> obviously, yeah. Um, I think like the, there was real excitement around... I keep going back to the season premiere. Where they felt oh, like, yeah. where it felt like not only were there like a bunch of stories kicking off or a bunch of characters you invested in, but like it was quite exciting and quite dynamic as well. That's very much one-off stuff. They can't do that weekly. It's just the mechanisms are too broken. Like that, even when Triple H does his, some people call it boring, and I get that uh, way of doing things. I don't think you're ever going to get that. You'll never get that buzz of a dynamite sometimes. But I really like feeling invested enough of these characters to mm. get through three hours, and the work was pretty decent as well. Yeah. Still. Five minutes too long, at a minimum, every single match. That's what we're stuck with, it's Triple H. But I liked more than this, and I didn't. Mm. Not for me. The way this show unfolded, the way the matches were arrived at. I'm not going to labor too much on the impromptu matches and my enduring hatred of them, because we are going to dedicate a little bit of time later on today um, on that entire topic, whether it's a really subjective personal foible or how much it actually detracts from the show. I'm interested in how much it bothers other people. We'll get into that later on today. But I didn't think the matches are that great. There was one awesome bit of angle development. 
which I'm really looking forward to putting over because um, it creates and also blockades opportunity in the narrative. So I'm really looking forward to that. It was all well, very well executed, but ultimately it's just a very contrived and flat show again for me. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's exactly, it's, it's personal preference. I think also maybe I enjoyed this more because I went in going, we're what, I don't know, off the top of my head, eight weeks away, let's say, from the go-home Raw ahead of... Uh, the Royal Rumble, of course, the next premium live event. And I, <laughs> and I thought, I suddenly thought as I was watching the opening credits, I was like, oh God, what if this is just one of those roars where they go, we got we got eight weeks to go, let's just, just kind of spin the wheels. Well, I'll be critical of Triple H off the tap because I think I'm going to probably praise this show overall. The preview yesterday was pretty disheartening because we can have like, I understand that there's this low bar and these low expectations for WWE, especially in comparison to AEW. But one of the things that Triple H absolutely should be doing, it's kind of criminal that he isn't, is having a card laid out. Mm. And like, there will be some people that would use the excuse that it was post-premium live event and he couldn't possibly have matches announced last week. Well, you can. You just don't have all your stories peak at exactly the mm, same time yeah. on a Saturday to be able to book stuff on a Monday. So I found it pretty inexcusable how little was booked for this Raw, and it thus creates a situation, as Cedric points out, where you have to have impromptu things because you've not set things in place. A lot more on this card could have been put in place without spoiling anything that took place on Saturday, and that is absolutely... They could have announced Kai and Larray. Yeah, I think there's I a... I suppose that, that wasn't necessarily impromptu. Well, no, but like the whole show, what were, yeah. we, what were we previewing yesterday? One, yeah, ma- one match and now else. That's like, I don't think he's got any excuse because the one thing he does is plot. So the the idea, and we're going to talk about this in detail with one segment, the mapping out of the main storyline in WWE is impeccable, in my opinion. So the fact that you can't do as nearly a good a job with 95% of your stories, I think is inexcusable. It's one thing to not tell stories that everybody loves but you should at least be able to map, map, map them out and plot them that you've got matches in place every week for it. Yeah. Like, he, he can't, you can't yeah. let him off that, and that's why you get Raws like this where it was the old Vince Russo clipboard Raw. Like, effectively, they just disguised it as something else. I think because I enjoyed this show more, I sort of justified it in my head yeah. more. Like, the the impromptu stuff, I was like, and this is, you know, very WWE brain siege, of like, well, they couldn't actually advertise me and him versus Rhea Ripley because that didn't go to a finish. You don't advertise something you haven't got to finish for, which is very sort of like, well, wait a second. Yeah. You're dealing mm-hmm. with the wrong issue here. The, and the main event, my brain, because I was really enjoying the show, went, oh, no, that makes sense because you had the bloodline and they said, let's have a fight later. And it, uh, let's say Adam Pearce, if he's in charge, he goes, well, don't put the Miz Dex Loomis was going to main event, but now you've got an actual, you know, Good main event, so let's, let's put that on instead. Uh, let's dive into this show then, because Becky Lynch is back. She comes out to open the show. She literally welcomes us to Uh She gets a huge, huge pap, huge reaction. Welcome back, Chance, all that sort of thing. She talks about being the man of the people. Thank God, big time, Becky Lynch is gone. Um, she said, you know what, I'm a man of the people. I want to be with the people. And she hops over the barricade. She starts, I really like that. this touch, cut, starts cutting the promo in the crowd. Brave of her as well. Uh, she's there with uh, a bloke wearing like an X-Men hoodie, I think he was. Bobby. 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 Uh, Bobby she, and Zachary. And uh, Before we talk about this, we're meant to analyze the wrestling and the promo and stuff like that. We, had, we talked about this in the office this morning, Sage. If you're Bobby, why are you taking your phone out to record this just... Be in the moment, no? Just be in the moment. Not to be like an Instagram no. inspirational quote. Hey, be in the moment, guys. It's like if you're at a gig that isn't being filmed and you want a lasting memory of it, I really don't go in with the idea of, oh, just stand there and, and enjoy it. We have been photographing ourselves for decades yeah. for the exact purpose of having a little bit of proof of a memory and yeah. it can stir something and you can look back fondly on it. You're being filmed. <laughs> literally on a televised show. As you pointed out, Wilborn, there will be a better shot 
They will put something on the dot-com gallery yeah. <laughs> that will look way better than your selfie. So I understand that I think he was trying to set up the camera so he could then do that. Yeah. Um, Isn't the impressive element? But it just as well? looked like he was on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> like the impressive element of a situation like that is if you show your friends a video of or from your phone and it's of you. Right. Okay. Well, I got loads of videos of me on my phone as well. Big deal. If you get your friends around your house and go to the recording of Raw from the telly and be like, "Look, I'm on Raw." That's the thing, isn't it? That's the showy offy bit. And he's not even thought about that. Yeah. Uh, aye. Then again, could the be modern worse. world. Could be worse. You could be Zachary. Weird guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, she's got a problem. She's talking about how she's been gone for four months, uh, but she's ready to start doing what the man does best. Uh, new faces on Monday Night Raw. She can't wait to take care of them. But before she go any further, Bailey comes out to interrupt. Uh, she says, uh, I wasn't that impressed with your performance, Becky Lynch. Um, she talks about the fact that she's been, she's been running the show. It's awful. No, what, it? what did you do that for? It's a... Uh, Oh, it's George. That was it. It was George. I'm trying to remember who the MMA fight was. George St. Pierre came out after her. He's French. Doesn't sound anything like that. But still. What are you doing? Anyway. She talks about the fact that she's been running the show on on Monday Night Raw. She talks about all the mad stipulation (laughs) matches she's been in. Uh, And yeah, slags her off. Slags the fans off. Lynch says, hey, and you slag Barb off. You can say what you like about Zachary, but you don't (laughs) slag Barb off. Uh, And she says, uh, you suck, uh, does Bailey to to Barb. And... uh, Bob. Uh, and uh, Lynch says, well, no, you suck, and that's why the fans turned on you, because you kept losing. Uh, and, Lynch, uh, and Lynch says, you know what, if you want to do this, let's go Let's go right now. Let's have a bare knuckle fight then. Uh, I'll give you another loss. And uh, Bob, tell, Bob tells Lynch, yeah, 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 go kick her ass, Becky. Uh, and Zachary tries to say something. You're like, ah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so she's about to go down to the ring. And, uh, maybe the, he was just nervous. Yeah, maybe. Um... EO Sky. He's, he's not going to get his friends around to show that he was on Monday Night Raw. I don't think that one's coming up in the Zachary household. Kai and I might Sky. miss something here, but let's just move on. <laughs> Kai and Sky are uh, sneaking down to attack her from behind. And there's a big brawl. They brawl out into the concourse and uh, brawl to like a merch store. People are swinging chains and a money in the bank briefcase. I think the whole thing bloody collapses at one point. Wild brawl and officials come in to break it up between Becky Lynch and Damage Control and all the chaos. I thought this was great. Really, really enjoyed all of it. Um, it shouldn't... Becky Lynch going into the crowd to cut a promo about just how great it is to be back with the crowd shouldn't really work. There are... Uh, like, I'll sort of invoke Drew McIntyre here in 2020. Doing the game show host, Welcome to Monday Night Raw, when there was literally nobody in the building to welcome, should not work, and yet he did it. And that's when you see somebody's... I'm not a Drew guy, but that's when you see somebody's star quality shine through. And I would say the same for Becky Lynch here. This is a thing. It's kind of a gamble to put this on a babyface's shoulders because the fans might not react in the way you want or the performer themselves might not be that instinctive to be able to bounce off what the fans say. It's all... There's an improv element to this that could die flat on its ass, and Becky got it over. It felt relatively organic for the stuff she was trying to do. You are bringing back this character, which could feel, which in wrestling sometimes, I'm thinking of like Chris Jericho in 2007, when even he admits, Y2J is dead, and I should have spotted that before I even Mm. came back, rather than having to mercy kill it on screen. That's the risk they've taken with the man, and on evidence here, they've got nothing to worry about. People are glad to welcome this character back. Everyone's got in the back of their mind... um, the Ronda Rousey match, which, looking at things, she's going to have to carry with this star quality at this yeah, point. Ronda was trending on Twitter last night, I saw, actually. Right, yeah, like, you know, people are putting that match together, but... Um, and the brawl was tremendous. 
I, yeah. like, I thought it was super creative to go to the merch stand because there was a, a there was a unhinged feel about the weapons they were using. Becky, we've seen these chains at Clash at the Castle. These hideous, like no offense to anybody listening, this has bought one of these, but these WWE Championship chunky chain things, right? <laughs> they weren't designed to be worn as merchandise. They were designed to be wrapped around your fist in a fight. Like that was, it was a lunchbox. It was a money the back lunchbox that, that Bailey swang, and it made that like that similar bedpan. Ding on <laughs> Bailey's back, I think it was. It was superb. And the t- the walls falling down, like independent of one another, made it feel real, not a merch stand that was set up. It might have been set up to be destroyed. Yeah. It was. It was, yeah. There was, it, it didn't look it in the way that the things fell down independent of one another. I think one was coming for Dakota Kai and there was a timber thing that was about to like crack her on the back of the head. I like this. This was silly, but fun. And yeah. the fact that it paid off, she should want to get them because they were the ones that put her out. That's why she joined Bianca's team and it's why she wants to finish what they started after SummerSlam. I thought it was a very good idea that was executed poorly when Damage Katarl came to do the beatdown. That's when it fell off for me. I did like the idea of uh, Becky Lynch being in the crowd because ultimately it's such a nice departure from uh, automaton, walking prop, directs, pre-written by another person, promo, directly to the hard camera. That was never engaging at all. Half of these, or if not all of these segments, like almost invariably fell flat. Just felt like this fake TV show bollocks. Becky Lynch actually going into the crowd, organically interacting with human beings, and her being sort of adored by her people. WWE needs to do far more to get a reaction out of these people. I am absolutely sick to my teeth of the dissonance between... I think Papa H's role is really good and it's a vast improvement and he's a saviour. Is it? Because no one's making any noise. <laughs> yeah. I just As an analyst, I feel like I'm failing to get this. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I can't psychoanalyze one person, let alone 15,000 in Boston in the garden. But why aren't you making any noise? Mm. It's so jarring to me. It's so bleak to me. It's so flat to me. So I encourage this promotion, as they did on Raw last night, to start thinking of ways to get this crowd to make yeah, noise. Street Profits went in there as well, didn't they? that's yeah. what it's meant to be about. And that is ultimately what it's meant to be about. Good crowd psychology, and it supplies to promo work and angles as well as matches, is the successful manipulation of the audience's emotions, the success of which is measured by how much noise they're making. And on that level, on that basis, WWE wrestlers are terrible at psychology. <laughs> so I admire and I encourage any kind of deviation from the usual format if it can get a bit of noise going in these ghost towns, these mausoleums of arenas. Then Damage Katal came out. I'm reminded that they haven't just cut bait on it and decided to turn Bailey babyface by having this faction split up and turn on her because just get it over with. This woman is a babyface. This woman is a terrible heel, and I'm sick of watching her as a heel, to be quite honest with you. There was an element with the way that this was uh, blocked and laid out, this brawl, where it felt a bit like Becky was running away from three people as opposed to being ran out. It was just a bit iffy. That merch stand was clearly fake. It took me out of it. And then, like, I, I might be setting myself to look like a hypocrite here because when Wardlow was doing his awesome stuff with MGF, that was all a bit fake looking as well. Mm. But at the same time, the job was 
security guards took such great slapstick. Oh my <laughs> God, that looks like a really hurt bumps. <laughs> yeah. That maybe my usual pedantic standards weren't dear to there. But I was in love with the character. Not so much Becky yet because it'll take time. I was once upon a time. But yeah, hitting them with toys. <laughs> it didn't really feel like a heavy heat angle. By optically, visually, it looked mm. pretty pathetic. Um, but I do admire the originality and the crowd engagement elements of this idea. I just thought the execution looked way funnier than it should have. It's only just occurred to me now as well, as I was saying there, there's a bit of um, Becky Law, a bit of LTST. This was, this was a sort of formal reintroduction of the man. Um, and where was that character launched into the stratosphere, was stood in that crowd like stopping to improvise with the yeah. bloody face yeah. in that in the SmackDown T-shirt that night on Raw, that was kind of the coronation of the man as a main eventer, basically, wasn't it? So it's quite nice that they've revisited that a similar, not the same, but a similar aesthetic that she's back amongst the people again. And I really like the the potential of a, a non-title feud between Becky Lynch and, and Bailey as, as, as a sort of swan song. I agree with for, for, for well, Bailey as a heel character. I do worry about that though because we keep asking for it. Like the loss to Bianca at Crown Jewel was a swan song, and War Games. Like losing in war games was this one song, and it just like, where's it? Where's this one song? Well, the swans ain't singing, <laughs> and like damage Katara continue on. Yeah. I don't want it. I feel bad because if I was running WWE, I'd be like, cool. Uh, Drew McIntyre gets injured and taken out of the picture, Bailey gets injured and taken out of the picture before <laughs> this is before all before Christmas, so they can all have a, a an actual <coughs> bloody tab at the Royal Rumble when you know Kai and Sky are dominating because they're still bastards. Becky and Bailey is sort of a perfect, we said yesterday on the preview, like, triple, he cannot dog this next eight, nine weeks of television between, the, like, I know that people are going to want to qualify for the Rumble, but you do need disputes, yeah. things to fill the TV time with. Becky and Bailey is sort of perfect, because there's, like, such rich history between those two, but nothing right now that would drive mm. a pay-per-view singles match, particularly, especially in WrestleMania season. It's sort of the worst time to be doing it, but like, in terms of television feuds that have real, this will be a main event of Raw, probably, that yeah. singles match with real heft attached, and the match quality could be out the ass as well. So, like, this is probably the right time to do this. Just a relief that because of the time of year, it's not now, and because of the changes Papa H has made, it's not like, yeah, we're going to fight out to the concourse and specifically use chairs for the most <laughs> yeah. part. Oh, that's a coincidence because of the uh, big pay-per-view next month. We've known each other since day one. <laughs> uh, right, that was followed by uh, Rhea Ripley, Versus Mia Yim, uh, which ended in a DQ to, to lead to another match. But before that, we sort of pitched this yesterday as like, well, yeah, Mia Yim gave a great account of herself in uh, War Games. And uh, yeah, you bought her as someone who could actually challenge someone like Rhea Ripley, who's looked about 10 foot tall for the last few weeks. And that I'm n I will not get tired of the, di the dynamic between her and Dom, especially when she's wrestling. And then, like, she takes a break because her opponent's got on top of her a little bit. Takes a break and whispers something in Dom's ear. And Dom, like, nods sagely, like, <laughs> good boy, Mammy. Uh, yeah, I will take, I'll take that on board. What all she's probably said is, jump on the apron if she gets on offense again. Um, so, yeah, good fun back and forth uh, match between the two of them. Uh, she goes, uh, uh, Yim goes for eat defeat. Ripley blocks that, goes for a riptide, but uh, Mia Yim uh, expertly reverses it into a spike DDT. She goes for a big dive, but Dom, of course, yes, hops up onto the apron, uh, and Ripley takes that as an opportunity to attack Yim from behind. Uh, Dom just gets in the ring at one point, and AJ Styles sprints down to attack her, and the ref goes, right, enough of all this bollocks. Let's, let's, let's call this off for the time being. It's a shame Triple H did what Tony Khan would never do, 
with the finish and what came next on this. Because beforehand, he's done with these two, what Tony Khan always tries to do, which is find a perfect match between two wrestlers. Their chemistry at War Games was so good that I think it's the best medium has ever looked in WWE. Wow. She was risking her body in the build-up to War Games 2019, but it was in such a um, fake-feeling fashion, like having to half-kill yourself in a ladder match to get into a match that is supposed to be the most deadly in the company is so fundamentally stupid that it takes... Desperate. Yeah, that it takes... Desperate is the word. That it takes away from the fact that, you know, you're putting in this incredible physical performance. Doing it in a War Games match is the time. So I think that's the best medium it ever looked. And they spotted that and carried it on here. They've got a really great dynamic. Rhea Ripley is an ass kicker, more than Triple H ever labelled himself to be, in fact. Yeah. And Mia Yim is great at taking a beating and then making that babyface comeback. So I was glad to see this singles match. Um, and it was the perfect use of the two for the night to tie a bow on this rivalry mm. until you untie that bow and unwrap the present. And it's like, oh, I've already got this. I've had this for... Six months, actually. And then you get this terrible finish, this terrible follow-through, and the feeling after the follow-through uh, that it's not even... The commentator said as much. It's not even over. Yeah, it is. We literally said what's next for the Judgment Day on the preview yesterday. Uh-huh. I quite enjoyed the chaos, though, of just, like, people piling in, and then uh, every time it seems to me that it's like, oh, God, look, Gallows is here. Oh, Priest is here. Look, <laughs> oh, here comes Anderson. And Dominic's here, too. <laughs> he always gets his ass handed to him because he's crap. I was particularly resentful of what happened after a match that I thought was pretty good and impactful and some of the stuff looked really snug and I particularly like the small, very minor sequence of Rhea Ripley just doing what Karrion Cross can't and laying in forearms to what looked like but wasn't Mia Yim's neck where it looked like you're getting absolutely dominated you look like you're getting hurt. You look like you're struggling through this. Those blows look like they're connecting. And then I just, I'm I'm personally very emotionally detached from this product, whomever is in charge. And there are certain times when I just see a blur of things. Like Hamlet had a great, succinct quote. It was about NXT, I think, actually. Just some wrestling happening in front of me. And I <laughs> see these same players interact. And the same, honestly, I've said it on the Dynamite review. But I see the JAS and the BCC ball, mm. and I just think, oh, fuck. End my life. And, I'm getting, <laughs> and this is worse, because, like, Danielson and Claudio aren't there. Yeah. And I just got, it's just, I've seen enough of this. Move on. I think we're going to get about six more weeks of this, you know, before they decide to do something at the Rumble. And I think I can sense where this is going. Because next up, we got an eight-person tag skip, match. Skip, Seen enough. And this is the point. Book a finish and announce this for next week. Have Dominic help Rhea win. And uh, Mia Yim and AJ Styles say enough. Eight-person tag next week. and the fi- Like, then you've got a first match booked for Raw that we can actually talk about in a preview. And you've delivered a finish on this week's show where Mia Yim has justifiable cause to want this one more match because that little freak Dominic has helped Rhea <laughs> Ripley win. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that finish to set up that match. That's how you do a story, not in this, where we've got Telly to fill. Nobody gets beat in the singles, and we can do the big payoff in the, in the tag. Garbage stuff. Bad booking. Skip means skip. Enough of all this. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling-related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Simon from Gateshead. Oh! 
if you want your name associated with a five-star review review, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, you can either do so on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review on there, and then write whatever you want us to review. Uh, or you can just leave us a five-star review on Spotify. Screenshot it. Proof. We need yeah, the proof obviously. of your uh, reward. And then as Simon... Award. It's for not so good, Al. Algorithm. And as Simon has done here, you can email that you, then your review to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. And Simon writes, Hello! Love all the podcasts you put out. You watch Raw, so I don't have to. I also love the little local nod, little local nods. Alliteration's rubbish. Um, as well, being from Gateshead. I was tickled so much by Sidwick's Halloween story a few weeks back. I had to explain to my office pals what I was laughing at. They didn't see the humour. <laughs> What's the laugh? <laughs> it happened on my train on um, so Saturday, coming home from the Survivor Series. It happened and yeah, can't record Rangan's doing a funny laugh, but I desperately wanted to because I was like, here it is. Here, here it is in the wild. <laughs> Eight of them like stood up in the in the doorway a bit rather than sitting down because they can cause more bother. <laughs> At like... Nine in, nine in the frigging morning on a Sunday. Probably not been to bed. We'll call them you, Rajis. Yeah. I, I've picked that up now living here for a few years, and I say it now as just a thing. I was like, you know, back home, and I was like, oh, these bloody Rajis. And people are like, what are you talking about? The proper Geordie <laughs> with a Raji. So uh, uh, what's the one I want to pick can, up? Waxa. Waxa. That no. just means grey. Mm. Anyone can gan Raj. Mm. Yeah. I can gan yeah. Raj. I can Raj a lot. I love, I love <laughs> being, living around here, I've got to say. I've, I've never been to the northeast really, and then I've been maybe what for one weekend, and just I love the the accent I love and the the, the terms, especially bloody considering to comparing it to bloody Birmingham. Ugh. Anyway, uh, I've got love for both. Yeah, my, my wife uh, <laughs> actually. actually. Uh, I've never been. I'm joking. It's, I'm joking. It's Accents better up here. You got the bloody rages up. My dad is from the northeast. My mum is from Birmingham. Oh, um, split loyalties. Yeah. I particularly hate anyone from West Brom right now. We've got them in the FA Cup third round in January. <laughs> so, anyway, what was Chef Wen? Yeah, you got Chef Wen. Who you got? Twenty percent of me wants to win that match. <laughs> I can't, didn't even see the draw. Didn't know it happened. Big fan, eh? Um, <laughs> who did you get? Let's have a quick check. This is important. Sunderland got away at Shrewsbury. Ooh. What league are Shrewsbury in? Two, I think. We'll soon find out if you're oh. wrong. I hope, I hope you lose. <laughs> Back to science review. Um, love this. For my five-star review review, I'll let you guys find any horny YouTube comment section and go from there. Honestly, fantastic. I'm worried about this, Simon. I'll level with you, pal. How did one of these videos pop up in Wilborn Search is how I, like... Good point. You know, the suggested videos. Yeah. Nothing like yeah. this stuff, is there? So how when you, you went into YouTube, Wilborn, I yeah. just want to get a, an idea of your process here. Did you type in... <sighs> Deplorable wrestling fans degrade the women. Did you? Um, I didn't. Didn't write that. You want to have a guess what I wrote? Pamphlet. Well, it wasn't the Lundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano, was it? <laughs> WWE Diva sexy. <laughs> 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 it's a good cheat code, don't be honest. Anyway, Simon says, "Keep up the brilliant five star work, Simon from Gates." Thank you, Simon. Cheers, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Raji. Uh, <laughs> so today um, we're going to be talking. About the Sable Invitational. Tell us about the law of the Sable Invitational. Oh, brother. Sable had just returned to... This is so grim, this McMahon. We were talking about Vince the other the week. 2004. 2003. 2003. The Vince McMahon that we were watching some YouTube 
I was going to say highlights, clips of <laughs> yeah, absolutely like mega lemoniacal chaos from Vince McMahon. Double super jacked, having that had that feud with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania where he wanted to be bigger than Hogan, <laughs> as if to make a point that he was bigger than him when he was promoting him the whole deal. Just when he had that sore throat for like six months. Yeah, um, he was he was just he was pinker than like a knackered Brock Lesnar the entire year. And uh, Sable came back on the SmackDown a after... Better body than half the roster. Yeah. <laughs> Sable came back on the SmackDown after WrestleMania, and this wasn't your average, oh, a, a familiar face returns after WrestleMania. She left in acrimony in 1998, in 99, after um, finding fame with the Playboy cover and everything, amidst a lawsuit, an ugly separation, where uh, she suggested that WWE wanted her to perform a lesbian storyline, and she was uncomfortable performing this role. Mm-hmm. She comes back four years later... And on the first night back on the job, they um, book her in a lesbian storyline with Tori <laughs> so Wilson. WWE. And when Vince got bored of that, he uh, booked himself to f*** her in front of her then real-life partner, Brock Lesnar. Because, again, this was that Vince McMahon. He's out of control. Out of his mind every single week. Um, but, yeah, this was the lesbian bit of her return. And she was uh, playing a dangerous game. Psychosexual game with Tori Wilson. Did you bring Mark, Mark Marrow back with her? Or? Yeah, he didn't make it. Oh, okay. like, this was WWE's attempt at the early 90s erotic thriller. Yeah. And it was as terrible as you'd expect. I love Mark Marrow, right? Mark Marrow gets pelters from all over the, like, the wrestling, like the locker room, and I don't get why. Well, I do get why. It's because he came in on a guaranteed contract in 96, and a bunch of guys were jealous. But not people aren't kind to his work, mm. and I think it's just fine. I'm, I, I like the while my Mark Marrow get right. But anyway, this... Like him and Sable are on the very you wrestler, isn't he? Yeah, I feel, I feel I do feel sorry for him. I remember when I was old because I wasn't around when it first happened. Yeah, hearing that story where he's like, Yeah, 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 we're gonna have, uh, this is it, like, yeah. We're gonna have Sable body slam you, and then you're gonna fight Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, cool, and then that happens, and Stone Cold rings Vince and goes, Cool, so who am I facing now because I'm not facing that twat? Yeah, like all these sort of things. Romero was just like trying his best for the various people in his life, and it yeah. like the Sable thing. He comes back in 2003, and pretty quickly, I think she starts. I believe like him and Sable are on the rocks, and she starts seeing Brock Lesnar. They're working together every week and stuff. And uh, the story goes that Romero was like he'd got wind, he'd had some texts, some calls, Telegram, Telewrestler. I think Sable's seeing somebody. What? I'll get him. I'm a Golden Gloves guy. Uh, like I'll I'll come at the next time with Sable. It's Brock. All right, okay. <laughs> oh. And like enough people have told the story where you think, oh, it might be true. That. Hasn't, no, hasn't he come out and been very self-deprecating? Is he just? Ex- I believe so. Yeah. Apologies to Mr. Mayro. Yeah. He does like motivational speaking tours. Yeah. He's yeah. a nice fella. That's a man still. Yeah. I'm fairly certain he's very self-deprecating about the, like he does it as a, it's his job. As a bit. Basically. Yeah. Uh, good guy. So, we're, yeah, we're backstage. Not many good guys involved in this segment. No. No. And uh, everything here, just everything, before we even get to the comments, does not reflect the views of myself, Dad, Lewis, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Josh Matthews is backstage, and he's uh, doing a very professional job asking, what is this Sable Invitational? And she says in her own inimitable style, uh, before I tell you about the Sable Invitational, would you agree that all the men come to see me and that all the men, all the women want to be me? <laughs> Scripts. Some of the women could want to... Yeah. Come, to, come to see her as well. Uh, and she says, no. She's a f***ing lesbian. <laughs> so it's weird how they're doing a lesbian storyline and they still can't get that bit right yeah. because they're foul. Uh, and Josh is a bit, a bit, a bit hot under the collar. She says, no, seriously, Josh, would you 
come to see me. Do you think you're a good judge of the female body? And he's like, uh, 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 and she Which goes, virgin rule this copy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it's like to have voluptuous breasts that you can feel every day? Nice, takes his hand, nice, tight abs, luscious curves and a sabalicious butt. Well, I do. Because I'm sable. <laughs> do you think you should, uh, more people should respect the women of WB? Because I, I do. <laughs> Who better to judge the hottest female body competition in WWE than me? So, Josh, if you want to know what the Sable Invitational is all about, stay tuned. I mean, it's a hook. I'll give them that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, this, this segment ends. I've been meaning to ask you this, Sid. This segment ends with Taz, who is, I've got to say, on top form. <laughs> Saying, uh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> saying, uh, oh, Josh is uh, Josh is frozen stiff. What's he What's he talking about there? All right, okay. If if you've missed this, frozen stiff. Right, he's suggesting using a, a an expression like commonplace with mm. being scared and frozen stiff. It's actually double entendre oh. about the fact that his cock is stiff because <laughs> a lot of blood has flooded down there <laughs> in. <laughs> Reaction to Sable's hot body. That makes sense. So that's, if you missed that, that's, uh, you happy with that explanation? Yeah, I'm, I've yeah, got yeah. it now. Uh, do, you, do you understand? Got, <laughs> a, got another frosted tip. Sable, Sable makes her entrance. That says, she looks hot from 100 yards away. I don't understand what that is. Some women don't look hot from, they just look small, surely, from 100 <laughs> yards away. <laughs> Uh, and I did like the tease of uh, stick around because all this stuff's happening, blah, blah, blah. And Brock Lesnar versus A-Train with Cena showing A-Train footage of Brock dropping him on his head. I don't think you needed the footage, really. Yeah. I think you'd remember that. Anyway, uh, and they say, you're speaking ahead. Uh, their words, not mine, by the way. Sable's got a pretty little head. And Michael Cole goes, yeah, and a pretty little... And Taz's like, go on. He's like, go, go on, say it, go on. And he goes, tush. <laughs> Oh, and Michael. Taz puts over the sable bottom instead of sableicious or whatever it is. I think she calls that the sable bottom, actually. Does she, Taz? <laughs> so, anyway, Sable's in the ring now. And she starts talking. She says, uh, everyone's been telling me since I returned, I'm the sexiest woman they've ever seen. There's no competition. Well, let's find out in a bikini contest. Huge bab, of course. Um, but no Tori Wilson, sadly, because she's feeling fat. Uh, she's got no time for the gym because she's been on a Playboy tour. I think she... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so she introduces the first, cont- first contestant. It's Nidia. Mixed reception for Nidia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Taz- Is the impossible image of a woman here the least of the problems of this segment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we've glossed it over. Yeah. Because there's way worse to come. And Taz slags off. He talks about trailer parks and Nashville yeah. and things like that. He does it in every town, basically. Doesn't he? Like, oh, she'll fit right in here because... Trailer park. <laughs> uh, and the, she's a southern tomato. That's what they said. Don't know. Uh, Dawn Marie comes out next, walks under that Smackdown fist. Oh, that Smackdown fist, eh, Sidge? Bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, man. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, We've already talked enough about that thing. Cole, Cole says, uh, <laughs> I actually like this uh, bikini invitational idea, actually. Uh, and they say she's looking lovely, like a bobcat. What? I don't know. That made me did a full. I did a full sidge when they said that. Huh? <laughs> um, o- only three months on from the uh, sad death of her husband, so I think she was looking well for that. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very strict rules to this. Use a stiff. 
<laughs> Very strict rules to this. Um, 15, sec- 15 seconds, take your robe off. That, that's, that's the rules. That is the rule set, okay? Show off. Uh, and Taz says, uh, 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 15 seconds right up your alley, girl. You're a 15-second dynamo. What's he uh, talking about there, Sage? When he says a 15-second dynamo, it means, right, if you are particularly aroused and not particularly disciplined in the bedroom that you'll shoot thick ropes of cum <laughs> within 15 seconds and you're unable to pleasure a woman. Now, when we say ropes, we don't mean ropes. <laughs> uh, anyway, before... Loads. Just loads. Yeah, before we can get started, <laughs> Tori Wilson interrupts... God, can you imagine Michael Cole having sex? Is the uh, UFC guy a 15-second dynamo? Is that what that noise is? <laughs> <laughs> just come. Instead of just plead. <laughs> Ultimate fighting calm. <laughs> so a Tory Wilson interrupts. Do you hear you, baby? And the commentator says, well, she doesn't look too bloated. <laughs> Awful. Uh, but many things are looking up. Sage? Uh, potentially their erections. Okay, fair enough. Pointing up from their suit pants, <laughs> pressing into the desk. So uh, I think that's what they could have been talking so obviously about. Obviously, I send this clip round, and we we all sort of watch it separately and co- collect our thoughts about this. There's a bit that's just about to happen that I spotted. It didn't. I didn't even be able to see your screens. I knew you'd hit it. So she says, "Oh, you can't have a bikini challenge with a, a Playboy cover girl." And then the commentator's like, well, "Hey, let's make this a three way." And and Cole's like, "Oh, let's make it a four way." So Taz has clearly gone, "Oh, three way." Oh, menage a trois. And then because Cole says four way, he goes, "Oh, what's a What's a four-way in French? And he says, a uh, uh, quad-way trois. Can I say that? I watch both of you pair it separately with your headphones in watching this. You've changed the wrong bit, haven't you? Yeah, he's changed the wrong bit, as Taz. Doesn't realise that menage doesn't mean three. And quad's a muscle, rather. <laughs> quad-way trois, he says. So, a four-way three. Great. You know, there's some very boring wrestling journalists once upon a time who didn't like Taz on commentary because of stuff like this. Mm. It's like, I didn't like Taz on commentary imminently, but we'll get to that. Mm. Yeah, imminently. Menage quatre, I believe, is mm. the correct term. How would you know from experience? Because <laughs> you're jacking your two balls and your cat. <laughs> <laughs> four people involved in four, that. Four ladies on Thumb Street. Oh, I never, what the, never know what the phrase is. Anyway, Nidia strips off. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Nidia strips off and dances oh. like Taz. Taz says, is that Mae Young's bikini? She looks like she's having an epileptic fit. Uh, and then he literally says, I'm begging you to cut, cut the music. It reminded me of Vampiro. Can I uh, bury Taz? I don't yeah. want to do this. I really don't want to do this right. I think he'd, he'd look back on this and be a bit... Regretful. Yeah. A bit remorseful. I think... I don't think I've ever heard a more backhanded compliment yeah. than the one he hands to Nidia here. Mm. When she finishes that dance and this poor woman's just trying to get over and entertain the crowd and put smiles on people's faces, Taz goes, that was nasty. I mean, she's beautiful and everything, but she doesn't move right. <laughs> <laughs> like, Taz just... Wow. Quit, quit while you're ahead. Beautiful and everything. We're not to move right. Starts going in like Christ. Yeah. You like the 
<laughs> that was nasty, he said. <laughs> um, then Dormarie's next. Dormarie gets sensual, in the words of commentary. Okay. Awful listening to Michael Cole talk like that, isn't it? I know. Uh, and she's got a bikini covered in spots, and uh, Taz loves spots. So much so, he says, Bingo! <laughs> well, that's going on the board. Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> that acts as a segue to another thing that I hate about this, right? So, if you haven't watched it, like we had to do at work when other people can see our computers, so <laughs> won't you complete cock, right? Is that. So, in WWE, even at this time, at its most rampantly awful. Almost Attitude Era-esque. It was a continuation of that Attitude Era, actually. But there were certain things worse than the Attitude Era, and certain things worse than Ruthless Aggression, but none of them. Whenever they're doing salacious, sexy, suggestive content, right, it was always tits-ass and thighs and stuff like that, Mm. and and curves and stuff like that. They never really focused on, you know, penetrative sex Mm -hmm. or, like, shots of... An actual woman's genitalia, right? To paint the picture of the scene here, Don Marie has her back to the camera. She's got the robe. She takes the robe off. And she kind of bends over. And then she does the reveal. That's when the robe goes off. The camera, <laughs> you can pretty much see it. Okay? Bingo! And when you can see oh, you can pretty much see it. There. Taz. Is that? Moth shot. Bingo! <laughs> it's honestly two very, very horny men yeah. just enjoying this completely degrading scene. Taz at one point. In the second, you see a bit more than usual. Bingo! It's bad. Taz literally at one point says, my tongue's got numb. <laughs> Did you ever see the beautiful people entrance when he would say, let the pigeons loose? And then they added a bit where the cameraman... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, where the cameraman... The tune I've got, for some reason, I've got that to the tune of let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Bingo! Drowning in a pool of cum. The cameraman would, like, try to get so close up them that they, <laughs> ad- they added a bit to it where like Velvet Sky or Angelina Love would like slap the cameraman's hand yeah. away suggesting oh that, yeah we've done, I think we've done that on a that clip within this cameraman's workplace <laughs> part of his remote was to commit a sexual assault yeah, it's like get awful. off uh, but you yeah. bloody like every week awful. when they entered to wrestle their match yeah. that was like Taz was on that call too. anyway uh, time for Tori to finish this off uh, to finish this off um, she's gone bingo stop it Stop it. I was worried about this. This is already, this entire segment every week is already an incredibly tricky high wire act. Yeah. You're going to fall off with your cock in your hand and I'm not <laughs> endorsing it. She's uh, She's got a lollipop. Yeah. Pulls it out from her pocket. I'll be dirty. So, unhygienic. Um, <laughs> I, think I thought exactly that when Sable picked up off the floor on the camera. Ugh. Yeah, like the, like in the, like there's animation. I mean, we think the Simpsons one where like Bart reaches under the bed yeah. and finds Lolly, and it's just got like all oh, the crud on it. Yeah, uh-huh, that's what. I've... Taz just says inserted at one point during this. Uh, Tory grinds on Sable. Taz, Taz tells Gold to shut up and uh, just watch. And uh, they swap the lollipop. Tory and Sable. That is not Taz and Cole. Uh, Taz says my tongue's gone numb, and Michael Cole says good night, everyone. It's not the end of the show. Anyway, he's uh, finished. 
He's finished. He's uh, he's bored now. Sable says, well, looks like we've got a winner. Hands down. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've got a winner. Uh, and she says, it's a tie between Nidia and Dawn Marie. And they're like, what the f- this all about? Tori should have won this. They're outraged. Uh, but, of course, it's all a big ruse. And uh, Nidia and Dawn Marie jumped Tori Wilson, beat her, beat her down. Taz says they blasted her from behind. Don't trust them. <laughs> I quite like the music in the background of it now. I'm starting to, like, all I can hear is the... Yeah. Let's just hear it for that for that reason, then. I'm going to recap my notes then, or no? Bingo! Taz doesn't mind all this, of course. He says, oh, the lollipop's still getting a lot of action, because that's when Sable picks it up off the floor, and says, the only loser here is you, Tori. And scene. Got her. Actually, the, the clip doesn't end there. It cuts backstage to Stephanie McMahon. How did Vince want her to shoot his daughter here in the, the following scene? Clean upper. <laughs> to, to so you could Mr. see America. all of it for his story against Hogan. It. It. You've seen the gif, you pervert. Like three or four attempts at this, I imagine. The same year he would have been, like a year later when he would have been pitching that the baby she was having with Triple H was his. Uh, this was the same year that he wanted to choke her out and punch her square in the face the week before she got married. Like, totally on brand for Vince Stefan this time. There was this story where, like, he'd... I'm she, sexy too, daddy. She'd revealed that when she was younger, he used to give her over to his business mates to get to broker deals. This was all from that same time. Awful. Loving all this, then. It anyway, was weird, so gross little family. Desperate. Desperate to recapture the glory days. Mm. And he didn't realise what I should do is do everything possible to make another Austin act happen. Just thought, oh, people want to see me shag? <laughs> no, they don't. It was repulsive. I could see his tongue. And it was awful. I'm watching this, and I'm just feeling horrible. Yeah, Vince's tongue never went numb. So we are. Uh, we go now to the uh, to the comment section. Once again, these oh do God. not reflect the using myself, the Dadly Boys, anyone at Culture Wrestling. But... It's time to play the game! And that game is... Guess the comment. We've had a we've had a, a history of a recent comment. Uh, I wish I was that lollipop. Oh god, this is a bit. Yay! It is great. This is a bit on countdown where you want to like show the work and yeah, the same thing. What else was it going to be? Man? Like, what could it have possibly be? Yeah, someone wants to be the lollipop. Ty specifically in the comments. Did it just say I want to be the lollipop? Yeah. <laughs> I want to be the. There's a lot of lollipop comments, but one of them is just I want to be the lollipop. I love how they just don't, it's meant to be your cock. <laughs> they want you to think it's your cock. <laughs> it's it's not, I wish I could be in the mouth for literally seconds and thrown in a bin forever. Uh, uh, Oshikuru09 writes, Tori Wilson is why I hit puberty when I did. I mean, I'm fairly certain that's not true. That's not how it works, is it? She put that in a Hall of Fame speech. She said, I used to get messages all the time from people saying, oh, like, that was how I discovered myself, I think was the word she used. <laughs> like, she's seen that comment so many times, probably in her DMs as well as on YouTube. So it's a, the actual onset of the biological phenomenon of puberty yeah, yeah, yeah. is a lot different to it's sexual awakening. So let's just do a little translate again. Can we read the comment? Uh, Tori, Tori Wilson is why I hit puberty when I did. Tori oh. Wilson is the first person I had a disgusting wank over. Why I hit puberty? Tori this Wilson. Is something when the body went, it's not, it's not the like an erection happening. Yeah. Tori Wilson was the first person to make me try and eke some tatty water out. Yeah. Uh, Josh, five months ago, just he's keeping up to the recent events. 
writes, oh, I swear I'd have a real hard time around Sable. What's he mean in there? I, th- oh, um, I think that he means that onside, in the only context in which you would see Sable, hopefully not outside of a home, that would be very weird, in like a, a fan convention or something, onside, in public, <laughs> just an erection in his pants. What? Right, so, so you're saying, you're telling me, Sitch, walk into a room, boom, there's Sable, your eyes, you see her. Yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the commenter there? Josh. Josh Briggs. Josh Brown. Josh <laughs> Come on, man. Get more from him later on the NXT preview. It might turn up if he's asked. <laughs> he's a good old Southern boy with manners. Uh, right, so there's that, which... For the YouTube comment is nuanced, let's say. I bet you it isn't. Man, well, that comment is Manuel Seminario, less so, just writes, raise your hand if you spank one out to these divas. Guess how many likes he got? 400. No, 14. 14 people went, yes, right, man. I'm amazed he didn't do his own reply, but like, not your wanking one. Uh. Yeah, um, never ask. Hands up. <laughs> Another subtle comment here from Never Asked to Be Born, <laughs> who writes, Watch th- watching this with one arm was hard. Uh, uh, get what he's doing there. No, it isn't. Just no, it isn't. A I don't know, I'm not saying that from experience, mind you. I'm just saying, in reality, it's just basically saying, I'm having a wank, lads. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. all the comments. Best let him know. Best let him know. Like walking at the pub, like, saying that. Like, Sorry, everyone. I'm my voice. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Into the YouTube comments. What have I missed? <laughs> Jonathan writes, um, he can he can look past everything that we've just seen. He writes, no, really. I believe this is why she stopped bringing the lollipop to the ring. So he's just keeping us aware of the lollipop law. The Thanks lo- for that, Jonathan. Law of the lolly. Uh, uh. Am- Amanda Wilson. Uh, I quite I like this. Basically, I'm giving you something nice before the final comment, okay? Just writes, Josh Matthews always reminded me a bit of Joey Essex. Oh, that was nice. A nice little... Oh, they're both thick as pig <laughs> Got it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and the final comment. Once again, just to really reiterate here. These do not reflect the views of myself, the Dadley Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Bingo! Uh, Alan, Alan writes... Try, you think you... He writes... <laughs> right. There's a two-part. <laughs> There's a word in this that I'm really not looking forward to reading. Josh Defo had a stiffy during this. Lol, poor dude. Right, that's that's first off. <laughs> Josh Defo had a stiff in this during during this. Lol, poor dude. Admit it, guys. Sable would get a squirt. <laughs> oh no! No! Oh. I, I do need to clarify. Is he under the absolute delusion (laughs) that he's able to make this bombshell woman, you know, ejaculate? I don't know if it, yeah. Or is he offering to squirt his muck? I think he's offering to (laughs) spread it. To squirt his muck. So, direct your thanks to Simon from Gateshead for that one. That's this week's five-star review review. If you want to suggest something short, crap, horny and wrestling-related... 
Can I include that as a new? No. no. Okay. Uh, That's taken us red, unfortunately, at this point. What culture wrestling on Apple Podcasts? So you can screenshot your your review on Spotify and email me at Adam dot Wilborn at whatculture.com. Thank you, Simon. I will say, however, that part of my particular enjoyment of these five-star review reviews is to, I don't know, find Gotch versus Hackenschmidt or something. <laughs> like Fez versus Fish. Grainy, sepia-toned footage where there's nary a woman in sight. You can't even, it's so blurry, you can't even make her, <laughs> ma- make her out in the audience. And I want to find the comment that makes it yeah. when it isn't. That's what I, that's the challenge I want. Yeah. Oh, I wish I was George Hackensmith's spit bucket. Because I, I really want to laser in on how unnecessarily and unreasonably horny these people are mm. in the completely wrong context. That's, I think that's the best way to satirize it. I comment underneath like the full Dominion match. <laughs> I'd show a card of my rainmaker. <laughs> 70 odd minutes on the video of that comment. Not gag. Maybe if I'm a jack to Kenny Omega, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, back to Monday Night Raw. Um, I should mention in that eight man, there was a nice spot with uh, Mia Yim. Christ, this is bloody going on. We're like, this is the first hour, Uh, first half hour here. Mia Yim body slam Balor, which has got a nice pap. I did want to mention that before we move on. That was a good spot. Uh, Right. Hey, the Street Brothers are back. Uh, Byron Saxton catches up with them backstage. They say how great it is to be back. Um... It's, uh, it's changed a lot since we were last in business, but they're going to do the whole, oh, we want the smoke, and they get shooshed, please, by uh, Chad Gable, who says, uh, show's better off without you, I'm the best thing about Raw. And folks, where's the lie? <laughs> um, uh, Gable says, uh, we, the Alpha Academy are going to put you back on the shelf for good. Angelo Dawkins, Dawkins called him an elf on the shelf, which is quite funny. Um, and the prophets say they're going to win because they want the smoke. Great to see him back. Yes. Love Ford, Ford and Dawkins. Yeah, the I don't, what do you do with them? They can't fight for the tag belts, can they? They had their last shot at the. You could craft a good blood feud around them. Yeah, 
that builds the story patiently and then gets a nice uh, rewarding blow off. It would be great for that tag division to have something that wasn't just for the belts. That's like AW women's division criticism that can be levied at them. Mm. If there's not a... Th- Boiling in this room, lads, are you? Yeah. It's getting excessive now. I think. That was all right, but you got to jump you on. Had to so. take, you had to take yeah. the thing yeah. off. Yeah. That was the comment section mainly, but yeah. Right, uh, time for the best thing in wrestling. The Bloodline, uh, they come out. We've already seen them arriving earlier. My heart grew three sizes watching Jey Uso yuck. You know, they're just like, oh, they're walking backstage. And normally it's like Jimmy, Sammy, Solo's just being Solo. But Jimmy and and Sammy having a great time. Jay's like, I can't believe this twat's tagging along with us still. This time he's yucking it up. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they come out. They get a huge reaction, of course. We the ones, Sammy Uso... Uh, they get in the ring all together, uh, and Jay says, I might have broken my hand for real on Saturday, but never, nevertheless, the bloodline stands tall. Jimmy says, yep, first time ever bloodline, no cracks. Um, Kevin Owens is mad because Sammy's our dog and not his. Have you seen the clip of uh, Sammy cracking up uh, Solo Sakura from the live show, by the way? No. It's on my Twitter, at Adam Wilborn. He goes, hey, 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 everyone, this is my dog. <laughs> and Solo has to do the whole thing. Just wipe him off. He's just... So he can break Solo. Sokoa, of all people. Amazing. Solo, uh, <laughs> So Sammy and Jimmy do their uh, special little handshake. Uh, and Sammy puts over Jimmy saying, like, you've got to have my back since day one. And then Sammy turns his attention to Jey Uso and talks about how much it meant that he finally embraced him as a brother. He said that. That's Usi. That is right there. Uh, look, no matter what kind of business, no matter what kind of... Uh, the bloodline have, uh, we'll handle it together, and Sammy and Jay hug, and it gets the same reaction we saw at the premium live event. Jimmy joins in, and they're papping, double papping, uh, and then they're like, come on, Solo, get him on, Solo's just like, nah, I don't do that. Um, stands motionless. Maybe he's going to do it, but regardless, before he can, Kevin Owens interrupts, uh, and he comes out and he says, look, I'm not here to... To, to stop your fun, Sammy, I understood. If anyone's going to understand what you did, I I do. Yeah, I was going to say, Kevin, you can't, people in glass yeah. houses and all that. He's done this quite a few times. He talked all about all the times he's turned his back on Sammy. He says, oh, don't blame you. Um, um, but he th- he's been thinking since Saturday about how much their careers have been linked. But from now on, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to team with you. I don't want to even ride with you. And Sammy's like, well, fine. I feel the same way. Uh, don't want to fight with you, don't want to team with you, don't even want to be in the same bloody room as you, because I've got family now, all right? Uh, Owen says that I'm happy, I'm happy for you after everything that you've been through and people finally bloody recognising how fantastic you are, finally. Um, But just remember one thing about being a member of the bloodline, you're not the real blood, and you never will be. Sammy just looks at him. Jay says, "I'll, I'll take this, Sammy. He says, look, you're just mad, you haven't got anyone with you, you haven't got any family. Uh, issues a sort of warning to, to Kevin Owens. And Owens says, look, I said I was done with Sammy Uso. I'm not done with all the Usos. I'm especially not done with you, Jay Uso. And they agree to a match later on in the evening. It's starting. Can I go first? Because I really, really like this. Yeah. And I'd never get the chance to gush with praise over anything. <laughs> in so I just want to do that. Um, in case, you know, I have to just say, oh, yeah, Echo Hamlet. I really want to yeah. get this out. They've done something... Even more incredible than I thought the best fantasy book and scenario ahead of Survivor Series could have been. Because what they've done here is they have done the most logical thing in character for both Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to do. 
they should be calloused to all this by now. They should have no real emotion other than, oh, again, the inevitable, I'm numb to it by the, by this point. This is such a masterstroke on so many levels. It was so wonderfully performed by both men because if they had a sense, if Kevin Owens had to come out and said something to the effect of, Sammy, I'll kill you for this betrayal, it would have scanned as untrue mm. because it, if so much happens in excess and in abundance, you can't possibly register that feeling anymore. This applies to all walks of life. I could watch a wrestling show with seven blade jobs. By the sixth, I won't care. Mm. When by the first, I'm really, really into it. So the idea is that they've nailed the perfect emotion for these characters to have experienced in the wake of Survivor Series War Games. Brilliant. Not insulting to my intelligence. Mm -hmm. Really quite brilliant. At the same time, we know at some point this storyline has to progress so that Sammy and Kevin reunite. And what's it going to take? Because it has to take something now. Yeah. If they don't feel anything towards each other after all of these incidents and after all of this time, right, Sammy Zayn is going to have to get beat up pretty bad for Kevin Owens to do it, to save him, or vice versa. Kevin Owens is going to have to get beat up really badly. And I can't wait for that beatdown to happen because I'm a <laughs> sicko and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And... Kevin Owens, one of the most believable Mike men or women on this roster because he's been entrusted, even in the Vince era, I think he got the trust to do his own things. It was always going to be good. He could not have done that crucial pro wrestling device of putting someone over at the same time as either threatening to kick their ass or, in this case, not bothering to. He could not have done it in a more wonderful and organic way. Look, I think he's just resigned mm. to the fact that seen it for years. Like I'm genuinely happy that everyone else has seen what I have seen. I can't remember off the top of my head a better, even in AEW as well, a better way of expressing that you need to put someone over before you and like do anything in the storyline with them. A magnificent segment of telly that unfortunately ended in an impromptu match. <laughs> but the way this was performed, the way they've arrived at this point with these characters, I thought was absolutely superb. Yeah, they've. Um, it was a while, wasn't it, where I think it felt as though uh, this whole thing had been set up without Triple H having anything to do with it, and the challenge became, well, you've got to not only take this thing, you've got to maintain it and nurture it and get it to wherever it was designed to go, possibly further, because at some point Vince McMahon would have got bored of this, and none of the things we all would have projected happened would have happened. They mm. would have just beat up Sammy or whatever. would have meant loads less. Um, and as soon as Triple H took charge, the whole idea was, look, he's somebody that can map out something. This is obviously really, really good, and it has a load of clear destinations you can get it to, but how do you do that? How do you maintain the heat? They did so here. Kevin Owens is not mad. He's just disappointed. And that's that old cliched per parenting trick of being far worse than a bollocking, in this case, far worse than violence. Have you ever Can used that, either of you? Probably, but... Oh, it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't, it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> cliche. Nothing works. Yeah, it's a cinematic cliche. It doesn't work in real life. The Kevin Owens has beat up Sammy for way less than what yeah. happened to him on Saturday. So it would have, yeah, it would have felt, it's got to feel real because everything else up to this point has felt real. That's why people are so invested, why the hug was a big pop on Saturday. And indeed, as you pointed out, seeing them together, oh, hurried weight. It was like, wow, a significant event occurred at Survivor Series because look where we're at now. It's that old fashioned, oh, you didn't buy it on Sunday. Maybe you paid for the encore. Maybe yeah. if anybody didn't watch this, they're going to go back and scan through Peacock mm. just to at least see that. So they made Survivor Series feel more important by default as well. It's how all of this should always be. This was absolutely tremendous. And to Sidrick's point about, well, how and where and why, what will it take Kevin Owens? The fact that the Rumble is the Rumble anyway, 
And the Elimination Chamber's in Montreal, man. It's going to be an absolute furnace that moment where Kevin Owens looks back over his shoulder and realises, I'm going to have to help. Jimmy oh. Uso can't work it. What? Can't work? Can't pass the border mm. into Canada. So they'll have to do... Well, that would be your Roman... Sammy, match, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, like the there's the building with which right to off Jimmy and have yeah. Solo and Jay do the work. I there's guess. The, there's the building with which to pay this off to get you to mm. WrestleMania. It's it's thrilling. Uh, we go backstage and it looks like Candice LeRae is going to do a kind of boring usual interview. And I like that she just grabbed the mic, and went, "No, I'm, I'm back and I'm going to kill you." The Kai <laughs> tonight. Um, we get the Street Profits entrance, like you say, they're trying to jeel this bloody crowd by entering or at least going into the crowd there. Um, thankfully, this time with less of old people going, wearing a mask. Um, get an interview with uh, Riddle and Elias, and he's, Riddle's just so happy. Oh, I'm loving team with Elias, and they're just just laying out what's clearly going to happen next week. Um, he said, I'm having such a good time with Elias. Uh, you know what? I think we're a pretty good team. And Elias is like, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a solo act, but this is fine to, for the time being, I suppose. Uh, and Riddle's like, yeah, we are having a great time, actually. I'd love to be tag team champions. In comes the bloodline. Uh, and they say, you're not going to be tag team champions. And uh, Elias is like, no, oh, we'll, we'll take you on. And the Usos are like, any time. And then it was set up, obviously, it was nights later on that we get in the, the tag match next week. We'll, of course, preview that on the Raw preview next week. But uh, I like the fact that it's so obvious what's coming. And just like Riddle's just so clueless to it all. I cannot tell you how little I am looking forward to the inevitable <laughs> symphony of destruction match in which Road Dog is going to encourage Riddle to just have fun out there. Play the instruments, man. You're the clown. People love you. And Riddle's going to be an arsehole, and I'm going to hate my life. Take a bump on that shoot piano, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Triple H and Shawn Michaels, they're both absolutely obsessed with every tag team breakup feeling like the Rockers' barbershop window segment, even if the team have been together five minutes instead of five fucking years. Mm. It's preposterous. I will say, Riddle believing that the team are great yeah. is just about in character with this thick idiot that he's become again since the Seth Rollins feud. But uh, it's you know what? This is a bit like, a, I don't mind how this is playing out, but it's a bit like Bray Wyatt. Sometimes the, like the, way on the journey can be entertaining, even morbidly so. But the outcome is Riddle versus Elias, just like the outcome is a Bray Wyatt match general. I don't want to see those things. So whatever you're building to well, is something I'm not remotely asked two about. Two months before a premium live event, so it might just be on telly. It will be, it's but I still want to watch it. it. Yeah, like it's mm. 25... Skip button for a reason. Riddle and Elias will get 25 minutes on Raw. I just hope it's one of them episodes where we're close for Christmas. Just trying to work out what would be what could be clouding Riddle's mind for uh, as to why he hasn't seen this turn coming. Uh, yeah. Stand already. He's a percussion token McGee. Nice. Uh, Street Warriors versus Alpha Academy. Um, newsflash. These teams work quite well, quite well together. Pass it on. <laughs> I, did yeah. like, I did like the fact Dawkins in the his time away has been working on some weird clothesline takedown thing that Corey and Corey goes like, what the bloody hell was that? Street Profs are great, man. They're fantastic. Really good. Um, everything breaks down off the back of that. Uh, flip dives to the floor from the Profits to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Ford's going for a sunset flip. That gets reversed beautifully into a Northern Light suplex for a near fall. Uh, Gable gets planted with the DDT, and Otis gets sent into the post. Um, Dawkins comes in to clean house. Everything breaks down. Gable suplexes Dawkins in that wonderful roll-through thing that he does for a two-count. Ford makes the save. Uh, Ford slams Otis, which looks amazing, which means I think now both both members of the, the Ford family have... Uh, Chucked Otis around, basically, haven't they? <laughs> uh, and they hit him with that that finish of theirs with a huge bloody frog splash onto Gable for the one, two, three, and a, a win in 
know, return match for the Street Profits. A tremendous match, which to such a point about WWE crowds, you could nail on the little screen, the timestamp, the exact point at which the fans would come up for it. The work was way better than the virtual silence that much of this was greeted, but they know with two minutes to go, they'll get hyped for the finish. We talked about this. I really like this, but I don't care very much. Like, Triple H, I, like, I, I dare you, craft an angle, craft a story around a tag team that isn't to do with the tag belts, that is to do with the tag team that are over. Give me a reason to want to see them have more matches of this quality, mm. but with a bit of emotion and a bit of story attached because I just I haven't seen this happen in WWE in decades at this point, no matter how talented they are. I hope the following take accurately nails the fact that I love the wrestlers and hate the booking, but is it wrong to state that as wonderful as it was to watch the Street Profits again, as good as Dawkins in particular is, mm. and obviously Montez Ford's great as well, but I just think it's more glaring the improvement of Montez Ford compared to this time last year. Then working Alpha Academy again, I completely forgot that they have not existed in my life for two months. Yeah. I had mm. completely and utterly forgot. It didn't scan. It's this oh really cool return moment in wrestling because they just are back to where they were. Yeah, I didn't think about the whole tag title thing. I'd forgotten about that. Then again, probably WWE hoping that most people have English <laughs> carry on. Uh, right, next up, it is time for the United States champion, Austin Theory. He comes out and says, ah, I've shown you all, you idiots. No one can ever call me kid again. I beat Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins in the same night. Uh, I'm no longer the next big anything. I am the now. I am the face of Monday Night Raw. Everyone's had a problem with me since day one. Not the pay-per-view. Um, because everyone's jealous. Uh, everyone's to be me because I was young. I'm younger, stronger, and better. I am the unescapable and the Austin, Austin Theory era, easy for me to say, has started now. Out comes Rollins in a see-through lace top. Yeah, I think mm. so. Yeah, he can pull something like that off. Uh yeah. Sorry, out comes Seth Rollins. Take me again! There's his entrance theme, of course. Still the same. Sort of. I never um, mind begging on these podcasts for people to take signs with our names on catchphrases, bits, whatever. Imagine the signs going up for Seth Rollins. <laughs> like the music hits and the people are in the world. Somebody's swinging it. Take me again! Sign. There's like, kids who go to WWE shows, so don't take that as tacit endorsement. Yeah, at least, yeah, at least spell it C-Y-A-C-K. Thank you. And then the security will be like, what's a kick? And they'll be like, oh, it's uh, a lollipop. Yeah, maybe when they're in Canada, they just won't be like, oh, it's just a, you don't get it, it's not a... <coughs> Anyway, uh, I do like Rollins. Is, I don't know if it's Canada got to do anything. I'm just thinking. Well, just because in America, they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. But they're like, oh, what? This must be a must be a Canadian thing, and security might not get it. It's a boot, my cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a boot, my cock. Um, I don't. I don't know if this is a catchphrase. Ford. Ford. He's uh, planning to take I really on. Hated that one. But I do like shut up and let them sing. Mm-hmm. I know it's just a tacit like. Do the thing, but I, I liked it here. Yeah. Shut up, Theory, and let him sing. Whoa. Uh, and Theory's like, well, what's it feel like now to be in the past? You know, you know you're meant to be the next big, you know, you're meant to be the big star, and now it's me, basically. Uh, Rollins is like, mm, you haven't done anything. Monday night still, ro- still belong to me. Um, and he says, hey, uh, <laughs> congratulations, kid. Theory's pissed off. And uh, Ron says, oh, angry are you? Well, about we have a match right now? And Theory's like, okay, but on my time, I'm the US champ. And he walks past and, oh, tension. Someone watched Twin Peaks The Return. 
this godforsaken writing staff because there's a scene between Red and Richard Horn that is eerily similar to this. Obviously far better than this. <laughs> um, this Seth Rollins do your usual thing, but do it to heels instead of baby faces. Why can't they just do that? Because it's kind of like sinister, softly, just be the clown. People like you being a stupid clown with your stupid laugh and your big outfits and your great work rate. They don't necessarily go together, but be that, be that and not this. you got to watch that, though, because that is a very specific thing Triple H never gets, does he? If you're a clown baby face, you're Johnny Gargano with a whistle. You can't be, um, you can't just have a clownish side. Remember, like, how when um, Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle would be, like, farting around in, like, his and Stephanie's office and stuff. Like, he would, they were over more than almost everybody on the show. But, and even he was turning babyface by proxy, but it was still a little bit like, get the hell out of here. And, like, in his mind, he's like, come on, Seth, you got a bit more intense. You're a babyface Yeah, now. yeah. Mm. Good guys are uh, tough as well, you mentioned Gargano, and they had a, a nice recap. I, I, I like this weird, I, I don't really get the references as much. Obviously, it's more of an American thing, but the the recap with Saxton and sitting on a chair and a little screen. They recapped everything that's gone on with, with Miz and, and Gargano. 60 minutes. Loomis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Makes a good lead in. They, yeah. they answered a complaint that you had. Miz is backstage before he's walking out there. He's got a big old bag of money that he owes uh, Dexter Loomis because I think he knows what's about to come. Um, and Saxton is there chatting to him. And he says, oh, yeah, well, I'm just going to give him the money because uh, I can't I can't go because of my hand. Oh, I've re-injured it, so I can't fight Dexter Loomis. And then Postman Pierce comes in and says, that's a load of bollocks. You're going out there. You're not getting away with that again. And you've taped up the wrong hand. This is happening. So there you go. You, we, we, at least they've tried to address something we complained no, about haven't. last week. No, I quite like. I thought that was a nice little little fix that they did Mr. there. Mr. Ali worked with broken ribs, essentially, last week, and the Miz didn't get cleared. But that's because it's his doctrine. He's gimmicked the system a little bit. And this week, they're like, we're not letting you do that again. You've got to do that why once. give them this? I, d- I thought it was a nice touch, to be honest. Terrible. Do you know what would be... This whole thing sucks. Do you know what? It's got a pop from me, I've got to be honest. Uh, uh, a pop what, what doesn't? What the, doesn't, mate? The, it's just, just a happy guy. I'd give you the Pierce thing. I Thanks. am way Thanks more generous much. to WWE. So we got Dexter Lewis versus the Miz. Hang on. But the f*** has got now... The f*** got now else to do on Raw. Two swears, that is. Because... he's going to be good. Nothing else to do on Raw, because the rest of the book in the matches themselves. This is the closest you get to the Jack Tunney ideal of a guy being like, that's out-and-out cheating. You're a liar. I've got the real doctor here. He's been doing it for weeks. Yeah. Like, but he's doing it now. Tony would never step in straight away. Like, that would be absolutely fine. But the rest of this Raw was booked by the rest of themselves, because Pierce has got now to do. He holds no authority until he does. Mm. That's the point. So then we got this anything goes match. Dexter Loomis versus the Miz. Uh, Miz tried to oh just God. leave as part of his entrance. Pierce was like, "Get out there, I'm taking this bloody money. You're gonna bloody wrestle." Uh, and they did that thing where like Miz would look and then be like, "Pierce, oh, we've got a match." And he looked back and then Loomis is a bit closer. Match being in back. the arena for this. Yeah. <laughs> that. So Loomis immediately takes out uh, Miz and then Miz gets in the ring. But as he gets, as Loomis is getting in the ring, Miz immediately hits him with a DDT and he's like, right, let's go. Let's quick, quick, quick. Rings the bell, of course, immediately Loomis pops up uh, and they get into it. I never thought I'd say this. When we come back from a break, <laughs> Dexter Lewis has got a vice around his head. A huge bab in the Wilborn household when I saw that. Did this exist for, I don't know, this phrase kicking around, the podcasters? The reviewers, the likes, for everybody to be like, and you know, we come back from a break and uh, there's a vice like grip. 
<laughs> no, guys, <laughs> with a literal voice instead of the typical headlock that the heel normally has on. Is that why this gag existed? A, no, a, it got me. A traditional headlock from the traditional headlock guy, the Miz, is not enough. He's got to use an actual voice because I kind of admired that visual gag versus what we normally get. Yeah. Felt like the direct contrast to what we normally come back from break with. I was confused for a different reason. Was Miz hopeless at doing it? And that's why it just came off like the prop that it was. Yeah. Or was Dexter Loomis meant to be like uh, an incredible threshold for pain? He's almost impervious to use the Jim Ross description of mm. mankind. And it's nothing to him. You can just take it off. What 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 were they going for here? I think a, a, a bit from both columns. Well, I've got to be honest. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he sell something rubbish? I mean, everyone has to sell Mrs. Offense generally. <laughs> Do you ever like um, just crush people's pens in those vices at school? Yeah. You know, in the woodwork class, yeah, so he yeah. keeps in that thing, and then the beak just, just goes down. That's what this made me think of. I used to like them we all have our vices, and mine just happens to be a vice on your head. Uh, Miz sets up a table in the Jesus crowd. Christ. Uh, but Liz, Lewis puts him through it with an elbow drop. Miz drops. Oh, they get back in the ring. Loomis is sent face first into the turnbuckle. And Miz puts his feet on the ropes. But Loomis kicks out to the surprise of Miz. And then immediately gets put in that submission, silence, or whatever it's called, uh, from Dex Loomis for the victory. And I've got to say, it was really basic. And the most like, how do we get the, the people on side? Give children money? But I loved what happened afterwards. So Loomis wins. He signs the contract. He gets a big old bag of money. And he goes around. It's not about the money, Hamlet. He goes around giving it out to the children. And he gets a nice reaction there. Then Loomis attacks him from behind and steals money from a small child. What a bastard. And then Gargano makes the save. Super kicks Miz. Gives the money back to the kids. Celebrates with his mate. Everyone's happy. Taking the money back. Giving the money back was nice. That was like I a, it was great, a nice way to use the cash and the, the kid and all that. Dex, like when Dexter Loomis returned to WWE, CM Punk was still in AEW. The like brawl out hadn't happened. That's how long this has been yeah. going on <laughs> for this, for this bang average crap comedy weapons match. I have and, no idea where he goes from here. Yeah, and Johnny Gargano, the gag man of Monday Night Raw. Piss poor. It's free now, though. Absolutely. Oh, God, I mean, I don't care about Loomis. Absolutely pitiful. And the standout worst moment of Triple H's tenure thus far. We've got a top dollar. And think of the hit row carrying cross laid ground that covers. Like, criminal nonsense, trash, all of it. End to end. A nine-minute smoke and mirrors plunder brawl, and it was still really boring for me. And as Hamfield points out, this has been going on forever. At the very least, you'd expect the fans to be into it because they've built it so much. It's going to destroy a take. I've got coming up on the um, get the table. We're going to record later, but oh, wait, get up for this, you freaks! Why are you buying a ticket? Get up for this. They've, they've built it. Mm. Serial killer enthusiast babyface doesn't work yet again. Doesn't learn. I think we could build. We could build this for five years. It's not going to work because, yeah, I said this on the preview. A baby face that shows no fire <laughs> by weird design. <laughs> like, what a job he's got. He moves he, weird in the ring, so that's a thing. He barely wrestles, he barely bumps, and he's got a six-figure deal off the Fed. I don't get it. What a life. You almost have to respect it. Mm. 
Candice Ray versus Dakota Kai was next. Great to see Candice Ray back in a ring. Uh, although he, he didn't really see her initially because the whole entrance thing was happening picture in picture. <laughs> she attacked Dakota Kai, actually. Um, Bailey and Sky try and get involved. They get kicked out. I think that was also during a picture in picture. When we come back, back and forth stuff from, from Kai and LeRae, who uh, worked really well together. Uh, LeRae hit with a flat liner on the apron. That's how it's done. Um, goes up to the top, drop kicks Kai off the top, gets a near fall off that. Um, Kai kicks her in a bloody head scorpion kick I love that scorpion kick man uh, she sets up for something uh, in the ropes but uh, Lorraine recovers and counters her and hits her with that swinging neck breaker from the middle rope for the victory good stuff yeah it was really decent what we got of this it was <coughs> jarring what we didn't strangely like to WWE haven't really done that much where like just so much of the match disappears to the ad break um, Candice Lorraine hasn't like I know she was off injured or just off whatever it, she needed something like this when she returned straight away because already it feels like there's a little bit of uh, stink around uh, like her return. She's just another failed WWE return. This was like a much, much, much better step and a brighter step for her. Uh, just nice to see this. And her and Dakota Kai, you feel, could do this sort of match in the sleep. Yeah. So it was good to, like, this was, a, a, again, a bit of good matchmaking, I think. Nice, solid action that the fans just didn't come up for that much. Yeah. I'm sick of repeating myself, but mm. they should be sick of getting these reactions and they need to do more. Like, Candice LeRae is the absolute epitome of dickhead Vincel hypocrisy. What distinguishes the Candice LeRae character arc from that which Tony Khan gets pelters for all the time? And I'm honestly bored of defending a billionaire as well. He's not my dad. <laughs> I think I'm like, no, I'm younger than him, but whatever. Only difference is that the fans are more keyed in and willing to get behind someone who they may not have seen that much because they're more invested in the product. In smaller number, obviously, but they're more invested. Candice LeRae debuts, gets beat, goes missing, comes back, no discernible character development. That's everything that Tony Khan gets buried for in bad faith. Triple H is doing it. Where's his flack? I can't imagine why any these crowds as well like, because it's undeniable, I think, when you're watching the where they're quiet, where they're loud, what they care about. And I think a lot of that is related, obviously, to the characters. There's still plenty of characters that just have nothing to do and end up on the WWE treadmill, mm. just on the churn. You would have to be thick and detached to only watch wrestling for the entrances and then fast forward the matches. You would just be, you would be stupid to watch. You would watch so many other things if that was how if that was how you got your enjoyment. You would be even thicker and even more stupid and even more detached to buy tickets to go and have the live mm. version of that. I understand. I get a lot out of WWE's big box office, like fireworks, big sets, bright colored gear, all that sort of stuff. I also like watching wrestling. Yeah, and I yeah. care about the characters within the stories. It's both. At its best, it's both. To only want the one from your $50 plus ticket, there's ways to get that enjoyment. Like there's fireworks to play as a free sometimes. Aye. And there's more in America because you got July 4th. Mm. You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't get that mindset, but maybe that's a, changing the audience that we're just starting to see post-pandemic, that it's something now we're seeing when WWE's not as atrociously awful as it was on Vincent Mann. Maybe this is something that is set from yeah. a WWE audience. Yeah. Uh, called it. We go backstage. Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss is there. And uh, Kathy Kelly's chatting to him. And uh, Bianca says, oh, I'm glad this is all over with. Uh, we've gone out with Bailey for months. I've held this division down. Made the call to Becky. Uh, every plan that Damage Control had backfired, very happy with the team I chose, and Asuka is very happy and shouts in Japanese, and we cut to Alexa, and she's off in her own little world, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, Becky's a good call. Told you, it's happening. Why is she getting nonced again? 
why, why is she getting nonced again? What writer on this staff has an absolute fascination <laughs> with making Alexa Bliss via the mind powers of the fiend dress like a schoolgirl and not from comp? Plenty of people won't agree with this, but it's such a shame that the Bray Wyatt element is being used for this Alexa turn. Like she came out of that box-like structure and distracted him with the goo-like substance and resulted in a squash-like defeat. And that was done. At least that was done. I would have no... Pr- you have spotted this for weeks. Alexa Bliss being detached physically and mentally from everything pretty much Bianca Blair has said and done. That is completely in keeping with Alexa Bliss who wants to be back in the title picture. Somebody that is in this team now while it's convenient, but really has got her eyes on the prize. That's what wrestlers should go to work for. Can that not be the story? That's what I'm, can I'm Alexa... hoping for. It's not going to happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. Because you can actually trace these things back through several weeks of television, right? And I think, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it started when they were tag champions and at Crown Jewel, the little B thing flashed on the screen. What was that, Alexa? Oh, nothing. It's fine. So I actually, I think that's the story they're telling is this Bray Wyatt thing. I wish it was just that she was sick of Bianca Belair because she believed she was better. Mm. Just imagine that. I'm a better I'm better than you, and I've lost my tag titles before associating with you. And I've been gradually getting more and more pissed off about being sidelined on this show, and enough's enough. But it cannot be. Uh, It cannot be. Nope. Pun intended, B. Main event time. Thank Uh, God. Jey Uso versus Kevin Owens. Uh, Fun match, but far too long. I mean, Mm. it's Triple H, isn't it? Um... But yeah, the, the 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 close of this was was really enjoyable. Um, Avalanche Fisherman Buster, it's such a good move that Kevin Owens makes it look so good. Uh, hits that, uh, hits a frog splash that gets a two count. There's dueling chance of KO and Uzi. Uh Jay fights back, super kick, super kick, blocks a stunner, another super kick, uh, two count. Uh, Owens, I did like the the dynamic of Sami Zayn at ringside in a Kevin Owens match going, come on, but not for <laughs> KO, for uh, for Jay and really, really supporting him there. Owens blocks the, another super kick, goes to the pop-up, pop-up, power bomb. <laughs> I've ruined my end vocabulary now as well as the listeners. Uh, tries the pop-up, uh, power bomb, back gives out. Jay hits him with another super kick, gets another two count. Uh, at this point, it looks like uh, Owens is going to take over, though. And this is the point where all the bloodline try and get involved. He gets Jimmy gets knocked off the apron. So let's go. Uh, attacks Kevin Owens. Because uh, Jay's, uh, Jay's got the referee as well. He goes up top, does Jay for a splash. Uh, but Owens gets out of the way, hits a stunner. One, two, three. Closer. I was looking at the clock here. They're closer to run out of time on this show as well. Total opposite the other week, wasn't it, when they had ages yeah. to kill? Um, I feel a little bit guilty complaining that this was too long, but it was too long. Uh, the yeah, work was good. Too bloody long. The work was good throughout. The agenting was tremendous. Um, Kevin Owens was looking like a dangerous wrestler again. He's got that thing that he does more when he's a heel than when he's a babyface, but he does these, like that one you isolated, but he's got a, a certain nasty streak to his offense. Mm. And there was a lot of that here, and that was point-proving because he wants Roman Reigns to be watching because it's like, well, I can beat Jey so. I still feel like I could have beaten you two years ago. It's main event Jey Uso as well. Main event Jey Uso, no less. Um, really well agented because he did this completely on his own. He took out all the bloodline on his own. He proved to Sammy while Sammy was front row for it that not only should you not be hanging around with these, but look how look what we could do if we were together decking them. And this was to show Roman that he's absolutely worthy of a title match and he thinks he could beat him second time around. He's right to have the confidence within him to have one go at Roman Reigns. In contrast to Austin Theory, who was like, 
I could never beat Roman. <laughs> like, like they are establishing a clear yeah. difference of the people that think they can and the people that would never even try when it comes to Roman Reigns' title reign. And Owens is where he needs to be for that match. Yeah, I do feel guilty because Kevin Owens put a lot of care and detail and attention into his craft here. Like just the nuanced selling, the way he built everything. It was all very nice, but I just got bored rigid, to be honest, 22 minutes for a match that... Yeah, there's stakes to it, but it's 22 minutes as a pay-per-view main event, for God's sake. I'm fairly certain 22 minutes is longer than WrestleMania 13, Austin Hart, mm. which I think, oh, there or thereabouts. We can't just conflate these two things for me. I'm sorry. And again, the reaction, it's as if, you know when there were brainstorming ideas and uh, for the pandemic and how to, how do we do this? Like, how on earth do we do this? And then they eventually arrived at right the Thunderdome. Let's emulate it. This performance center's not working. doesn't look like WWE. Even if it's really eerie and uncanny, at least it feels big. At least it's in an arena. At least it looks like there's loads of people there. This feels like a rejected pitch for how to deal with pandemic wrestling in the Fed by having them work in a ring with a green screen of fans in front of them. <laughs> but the noise isn't there. And I'm sick of it. I just get so bored. Yeah, it's too long. Follow me at Emma Sidgwick. I really enjoyed Kevin Owens' take on the blood. I really enjoyed this Raw. But let us know mm. your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we will, of course, be back later on today with the preview for the show, formerly known as NXT Dupe. Oh! And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts to suggest a five-star review. Uh, just like Simon from Gateshead did. Uh, you can also do it on Spotify, like Simon did. Just uh, screenshot your five stars as proof and uh, send them to me. Adam.Wilborn at whatculture.com. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 